0: Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. Well, good morning, everybody. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 to start this morning, so if you want to turn there or scroll there, that would be fantastic. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue in our series, Lord of All, this morning, talking again, looking again at the Lordship of Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we shifted from... from Uh, intentionally shifted from more conceptual messages, which always have a point of application, to really focusing these last few weeks on how does the lordship of Christ impact the way that we live day to day. And we're ending this series with three different categories. We talked about resources a couple weeks ago. This morning we're talking about relationships as we did last week. And then next week, I'm sorry, not next week, two weeks, we'll be talking about rights. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. He's the Lord of our rights. So uh, last week, because relationships are such a huge topic, it's such a big, uh, diverse, there's all these elements uh, inside of relationships, because of that, when I was praying about this months ago, thinking like, well, what piece of that could we really handle well in a couple of weeks? And I landed on what is the biggest problem within relationships, and that is dealing with offense dealing with sin between us and others. Turn to the person next to you and say, "Yes, that is a big deal." That's a really it's a really big deal. Offense happens in two directions. I offend others, not intentionally, but it does happen, and others offend me. So it's two directions. I am I am one who not on purpose, but I have the capacity and the ability all of us do to hurt other people. And other people have the capacity to hurt me. So last week we talked about Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, if you're, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that someone has something against you, go and be reconciled to that person and then come back and, and offer your gift. That, that before we offer worship to the Lord... As much as it depends on us, like it says in Romans chapter 12, we want to live at peace with all men. As much as it depends on us, before we offer our gift to the Lord, we need to try to make things right with other people when it's our responsibility. When we have hurt, when we have wounded, when we have offended another. We go and we, we are reconciled uh, horizontally before we offer our worship vertically. And that's hard to do because nobody likes to admit that they're wrong. Most of us don't like to admit that we're wrong. It's easier to admit that you're wrong with someone that you don't know well. Just using the example, have you ever been in Target or Walmart or whatever, and you're pushing your cart, and you're looking at whatever, and someone in front of you stops short, and you end up hitting on the back of the heels? You ever done that to someone? Oh, it's just me. Okay. Has it ever been done to you? A couple more answers there. Yeah, I mean... I'm quick to say, I am so sorry. Please forgive me for hitting you in the back of your Achilles heels with my cart. That's much easier to do than something at home with a spouse or a child where I've done something wrong and I'm not entirely sorry for it. You know, I'm, eh, I know I need to make this right, but the closer the relationship, the more difficult, the more challenging it is to go to that person to, to seek reconciliation. The word means, again, the renewal of Friendship. We are seeking to renew friendships, to have hearts be changed so that we can be restored in relationship with another person. That stuff is hard. What we're going to talk about this morning is even harder. Say, oh goody, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just letting you know ahead of time, this one, this is tough. This is tough. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to get what you're speaking to us by your spirit through your word this morning. And may it not just be a concept but a concept that we apply that is transformational in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to start. And again, we're talking about when we offend others. I'm sorry, when others offend... I'm I'm so backward. We're going to talk about what others offend us, not when we offend others. Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 6, he's just been teaching, he's been talking, and he's teaching on prayer, and he gives his disciples, as well as the others listening, the Lord's prayer. And then he says in verse 14, "'If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses.'" That is very straightforward. That is not complicated. It makes logical sense. When we are forgiven by God, God expects us to forgive other people. There's a connection, even. Jesus says, if we won't do that, then we won't be forgiven. If we do do that, then we will be forgiven. That's hard, but it's not complicated, it's very straightforward. It says something about how God feels about the grace that he gives us, that he ties his grace coming to us with the grace that we give to other people. It says that that the father wants his children to act like him. That we we are to do the things that he he does. That we are to give freely as we have been given freely from him. Jesus had just taught them when he was teaching through the Lord's Prayer, really the disciples' prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He just taught us to pray it. And it's almost like he goes back and puts an exclamation point on that by saying, If you forgive others, you'll be forgiven. If you do not forgive others, you will not be forgiven. He's reinforcing it. And it's not just this transactional thing that, well, I'm forgiven, so I have to forgive. It's a quality of forgiveness. God wants us when we are are in relationship with others to forgive and to offer grace in the way that he gives to us. God, when he forgives you, he never does that begrudgingly. When we pray, Lord, forgive me. I hope you pray that regularly. I pray that regularly. Lord, forgive me. He never responds to us with, I guess so. He always responds with, yes, yes. Yes and amen, absolutely forgiven. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But it's not a begrudging. It's not a, well, you, you know, okay, but you should have known better. I find myself doing that with my children when they were younger. I did wrong, dad, will you forgive me? Yes, but let's turn this into a teachable moment. The Lord doesn't do that with us. He says, I forgive you 100% right now, instantly, fully, without reservation." And that is the way that he instructs us to forgive one another, with fullness, with a complete, re- a complete turning over of any expectation, but rather to say, yes, I forgive you entirely and completely. So let me give you a simple recap. If I'm worshiping and I realize that someone has something against me or I suspect that they do, scripture instructs me to go, to leave my gift at the altar, to go and to be reconciled to another chapter later inside of the same sermon sermon on the mount chapter 6 Jesus says if you forgive you forgive others the way that I have been forgiven you if you don't then you won't be forgiven when i'm wrong i ask for forgiveness when someone sins against me i forgive them doesn't that sound like a neat package like it could be all done right there i do wrong i ask forgiveness someone else does wrong i forgive them raise your hand if you think that sounds like a neat package i mean it's clean it's tidy it's also not the end of the story for those of us that are seeking to walk in harmony and unity with other believers. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. For Christ's follower, dealing with another Christ's follower, in specific, in the same church or same congregation, saying, I forgive that person for what they have done, the offense, the sin, the hurt, whatever the thing is, saying it, doing it, believing it in the heart is extremely important, but it is not the full picture. It's part A of an A and B scenario. And what we do with our forgiveness beyond offering it to other people, this thing that we're going to talk about this morning, the the main point of this message, Matthew chapter 18, is the thing that makes the church of Jesus Christ different. It makes us stand out. The way that we handle problems and offenses between us causes us to, 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 to be identified with Jesus. On your sheets, if you're taking the notes this morning, write this down. Jesus commands us to go further than forgiveness. He commands us to pursue reconciliation. Reconciliation is easier, and I mentioned this last week, and let me reiterate it. Reconciliation between us, between two people, is easier when the offending party is aware that they have done something wrong and is willing to deal with it. As hard as it is for me to recognize, I have hurt somebody, I have offended somebody, I need to go to them. As hard as that is, it's better for me to do that than for someone else to have to come and point out my sin for me. But that's exactly what Scripture instructs us to do in Matthew chapter 18. Would you look with me at 15, 16, and 17, just three verses. Jesus says this. He says, if I get to the right page, I'll tell you what he says. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. One or two others along with you. I lost my place. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is three verses and three steps. Here's step number one. It's called having a conversation. Verse 15 says, if your brother sins against you, point it out. Which, let's just be honest, that's super awkward. I mean, we don't like to do that. Most of us are fairly nice people. Turn to the person next to you and say, you seem like a nice person. <laughs> and, in our, and in our pursuit, we, we value, at least we used to value in our country, niceness. In our niceness, we often will say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to mess with that. I'm not going to point that out. I, let me just caution us before we dig into these three verses. If Jesus is the Lord of all and the Lord of all says this is how you do it, then it doesn't matter if we think it's being nice to not say anything. We have to do what the scripture says. We have to, do, we have to pursue reconciliation as, as detailed by the Lord. So if someone sins against you, Jesus says, go to that person and go to that person Alone. You're not doing this publicly. You're not, you're not talking about it in front of a group of people. You're not taking another person with you at this point. You're just going to that person alone and having a conversation. And it says, and if they listen to you, then you have gained your brother. If you're underlined, if you're a person that underlines in scripture, underline those words. Gain your brother. Because that's the whole point of this. The entire the entire heart behind this reconciliation that we're, that we're seeking out is to gain our brother or gain our sister. It's to, it's to have the, the restored friendship. It's to have the change of heart. Now, I'm not saying that you could never write somebody a letter, that you couldn't send somebody an email, that you couldn't call someone on the phone. Sometimes situationally, that's a have to. Sometimes that's just the way that it goes, that you've got to do those things. But let me say this to you. It is almost always more effective if you can be with somebody face to face. In-person communication is harder and in-person communication is better. Uh, Something like 75% of all communication is nonverbal. So you, what's that? Oh, it's 93%. I've been corrected from the floor. (laughs) which makes my point even stronger. So you better be a really, really, really good writer, a really, really, really good communicator on the phone if you hope to communicate everything in your heart effectively to the other person. Because everything like tone and body language and posture and orientation, all that stuff comes into play when you have a conversation with someone, which is why, though harder, it is better to go to them in person alone and have this conversation. And because the point of this is to gain the brother, that, that phrase should inform the way that we speak to the person that we're going to. I, I, many, I think, in my own life and in others' lives, many well-intended conversations have been sabotaged when we lose sight of I'm trying to gain a brother or sister and instead I'm going to go set that person straight. That's not the spirit in which we approach one another. I've got, some, got something that they need to hear. I've got a word from the Lord for them. I'm going to go find them and tell them what I think about them. That's, that is not, that's not gaining a brother. Don't do that. By the way, if that's what you're going to go do when you face them, don't go. That's not the point of this. They need to hear what they did. That's not the point of this. It is we are at odds. Even if that person doesn't know it or isn't aware of it, we are at odds. I want us to be reconciled. I'm coming to, to, to heal the breach, to close that gap. And so, can let me share with you what I experienced. Now, that's step one. Step two is in verse uh, 16. Let me read it to you again. It says, But if he does not listen, listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I call this from, we went from a conversation, now we're having a group chat. Now we're going to have more people involved. We have, to, we have to bring other people along. When it says if, they doesn't, if the person doesn't listen, that's not talking about hearing. It's talking about receiving what's being said and responding appropriately. Write this down. Listening means accepting responsibility, all or in part, for what is being said, for the hurt caused, and responding appropriately. That's what listening means. It's not like I heard them and now we're good. No, it's not that. It's me taking that information in and responding in a way that honors the Lord. This step is often the place where the reconciliation process laid out in Matthew chapter 18 breaks down because it's awkward. If I have a problem, I mean, I use Susan, glad she's back in here, this service. If Susan and I are having an issue, which so rarely happens, but we're having an issue and I needed to talk to her about something and I, you know, I go to her and I'm like, you know, I want to gain you, sister. And and we have this conversation and for whatever reason, she's like, not having it. I'm not doing that. You're wrong. How awkward would that be? Uh, Let me see, you know now larry could you guys come over i'm having trouble with my wife could you help me navigate i mean who does that that's just weird and even between brothers and sisters at church it's just it's 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 so not our cultural norm but again if jesus says this is what we're supposed to do i don't have the authority to dismiss it and be like i'm not doing that let me tell you something if you're at odds with someone and you've tried to make it right and you're not willing to do step two, you're in sin now for not being obedient. You're letting this relationship continue to be divided because of your unwillingness to cross what are the cultural norms within our society. That's not okay. This society doesn't get to dictate what we do. But it's messy, and I admit that to you. Thankfully, we haven't had anybody over at our house to help with a conflict and well, It's been a couple months now. We've done really good. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is referring to... Deuteronomy chapter 19, which says a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or any wrong in, commun- in connection with an offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two or three witnesses shall a charge be established. So Jesus is hearkening back to the Old Testament saying, you, you, this, is, this is how we're going to do this in the new covenant. We're still going to bring people along so that things can be addressed. So step two moves it from a conversation where there can be reconciliation to a small group forcing an issue. We're going to deal with this issue. Now, verse three, I'm sorry, verse 17 is step three. Now we're getting to congregational involvement. It says this, if he refuses to listen to them, that the them is the two people or the other person in the offended party, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, this happens so Rarely. It's not that it never happens because I know it happens. I've heard stories. I have not ever been in a church as in a pastor where we did this. But that doesn't, again, mean that our lack of experience with this means that we don't have to do it. There would be a time and there would be a place where there would have to be an issue brought to the congregation. Let me make a couple statements about that. One is, contextually, we're ta- probably talking about a much smaller group of people where folks know each other. In modern Western church settings... It would be uh, very unusual when you have visitors and you have people that don't know any of the details to be addressing someone's sin as a congregation in that setting. That doesn't mean we still don't do it, but we would do it probably with a subset of the larger church of people that actually understand and can support what's happening. If some. Vigorous, excited pastor decided, no, we're just going to go ahead and throw it out there for everyone. I believe the Lord would take care of that. But I think you could do a church version of this without it being whatever number of hundreds of people sitting there going, what, I don't even know who these people are and what are they talking about? Point is though, if the person doesn't respond, even with the pressure leveraged from the family of God saying, we want this fixed, we want unity, then what the scripture says is that that person is treated as a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, what does that mean? First of all, it's not an excuse to be mean to them or rude to them. Remember the person that is saying this, that is telling this, that Matthew is writing down the words of Jesus. Jesus is the one that is known as the friend of tax collectors and sinners. He's the one who treated Gentiles with grace, who loved people, all people, whenever he came into contact with them. So when someone is, when when church discipline, if you want to call it that, gets to this stage and we're at step three and that person still is unresponsive, Again, this happens so rarely, but if that person was to just be so strongly against what was being done, that person is still loved greatly. But what happens is is that they're no longer allowed, they're no longer accepted into the community of faith where we are fighting to preserve the unity of of our fellowship through the bond of peace. They have to be outside of that fellowship. What that means is this. It means that though the church is not for sinless people, that the true church of Jesus Christ will always be made up of people who are willing to own and to address their own sin. Like, in other words, we can't have a church where people pretend like they don't have issues and aren't willing to ever address the stuff going on in their lives. That's not the church. Did I offend you? Is that why you're leaving? I'm just kidding. We'll talk later, just you and me privately. (laughs) <laughs> the church has to be full of people who are willing to say, I was wrong. Please forgive me. The church has to be willing, uh, be a, the, the church of Jesus Christ has to be a place where people are willing to say, I, felt, I was hurt by you, I was wronged by you, I was offended by you, I was sinned against by you, and I want to gain you, I want to be re- reconciled to you, can we sit down and talk? It's not a place where nobody has any issues, and it's certainly not a place where nobody um, is willing to admit that they did anything wrong in the first place. I mean, think about how we all got here. If you know Jesus, the, re- the way you got here was by saying, I was wrong, please forgive me. That's how you get in the club, if we want to call it that. You get in the body of Christ by saying, Lord, have mercy. And all that this text is saying is that that same desire to be reconciled gets applied horizontally to other people as well as it did vertically to God. And that is the way that we live with one another constantly saying, hey, I'm, you know, when it comes up, I blew it. Would you please forgive me? Yeah, I will. Why does this matter so much? This instruction is very hard, and it's so hard that it's easy to just say, oh, that was back then. That's what they did when it was the first century church. We don't have to do that stuff now because it's just so difficult. It's so awkward. But here's the deal. Jesus, as Lord of all, Demands. Turn to the person next to you and say, demands. Demands. Man, that's a strong word, but it's absolutely true. Jesus, the Lord of all, demands that we love each other enough to point out sin. As a function of love to say, I need to speak the truth to you. Not meanly, not wanting your destruction, not hoping for your judgment, but because I love you and because I want to gain you, the Lord of all says you must speak the truth and point out sin. And let's be honest, it's a whole lot easier if I'm upset with someone, Simon, he'll be right here. I'm upset with Simon. It's a whole lot easier for me to go on social media and talk about what some people do rather than going and having a hard conversation with a brother. It's much easier to take a broad brush and just say, you know how those people are that are out there than it is to take my hurt directly to another person. It's easier for me to deny, to ignore, to stuff it. We are just so good at stuffing stuff. Can we say it that way? Stuff and stuff. Or just to walk away. By the way, when you stuff stuff, when you stuff, you're not, you're not as good at it as you think. It comes out in your mouth, it comes out in your expressions, and eventually it'll come out in your behavior. Never, nobody is ever as good at stuffing as they think they are. And I think, if I can say this, I think the reason this is so hard and why it's so important is not just, it's not just so hard because we're weak and because we fear and all that stuff, although that's all true. I think it's a spiritual warfare thing. Yeah. I absolutely believe that this stuff gets avoided and not lived out because of the, the, the enemies of our lives, of our souls does not want the church of Jesus Christ to be willing to love each other enough to deal with sin. The devil, I think, fears the church that is bold enough to fight for unity and fight for truth speaking and fight for unconditional love. Write this down if you would. A healthy church, I'm sorry, a church healthy enough to consistently seek reconciliation inside of the walls of the congregation will be powerfully used to reach people on the outside. If we love each other enough, To pursue reconciliation here, it's almost like we become eligible for impacting the world around us. Because if we're not willing to do this kind of stuff, who are we actually, what are we actually expecting to happen when people come in here? That they come in and they find a spiritualized kind of holy version of the same yuck that exists in relationships out in the world? And that's what happens in so many churches. We have to be vigilant and diligent and just passionate about dealing with the stuff between us so that when they come into our lives or into our fellowship, they say there's something different here. This is a real love, not a word love, but a real love, acted out and lived out by people willing to tell each other the things that they don't necessarily want to say and others don't necessarily want to hear for the sake of the unity of the family. You see how important this is? If a church will do this stuff, And I can say, I've never been a part of a church that was like super, super good at this. They're all kind of good at it. We all give a lot of lip service to this. I'm kind of being preachy here for a moment. But we give a lot of lip service to, oh yeah, it's God's word, we need to do that. How often do we really do this stuff? But if a church would do it, I'm convinced that more than ever, we would become a magnet for people that need God's love. It's an incomprehensible idea to the culture around us, which is why the enemy passionately wants to keep us from obeying passages of scripture like this. Here it is. Let me say it to you this way. Every single one of you knows a person or is a person who has walked away from a relationship with another believer in a church or who has broken fellowship with a church community because you were not willing to walk towards or that person was not willing to walk toward another to deal with reconciliation. We all know those people. And in a town like this, my goodness. Someone told me when we moved here, you could go to a different restaurant every single day for a year and never go to the same restaurant twice. Someone told me that when we moved here. I mean, I'm working at it. and We're almost all the way through. But you can almost do that with a church. Just go to another church. Just walk away. And every time that happens, every time we walk away from that person and walk away from fellowship, hell roars with laughter. And the unity is broken down one step further. And here's the crazy thing we go to another church, and guess what we got to face? The same thing. All those people are in the next church, too. They have different faces and names, but they're all still there. You don't like the ones in here? They're at another church. You'll find them. Here's the other thing that's ironic. 90. I wouldn't, I'm making up this number, but let's just say it. 90%, the majority of the things that get between us can all be solved in step one. Yeah. If we we're willing to just sit down with another and say, you know what, I was wrong, or you hurt me in this way, can we talk this out? Most of what divides us can be dealt with at step one. I want to pray with you as we close the service. And last week I had asked you to, to ask the Holy Spirit for a fresh and renewed understanding of who it is that you might need to go to. And that was hard, I'm sure. But today is tougher. Today I'm going to ask you to pray with me and ask the Holy Spirit to point out who you may need to approach about sin. Sin against you, that you've experienced, that you've been offended by, that you've been hurt by. Thank you, Christian. I want you to be honest with yourself about where another Christ follower has hurt you or offended you so that you might go to them in love. Full of grace and full of truth to address that situation. I just had this happen. Susan, I just had this happen recently. And it wasn't a huge, huge, huge thing like this monstrous size thing. But we had someone come and just talk with us and share some things that they had experienced. And I can tell you this, when when we parted ways that day, the love that I felt for that person was deepened by some exponential measure. It is an act of love to say to someone, can we talk this out? We have got to be different than the world. We have got to be different than the culture that just says, find, find a new church, find some new friends. I want to pray, and I, and I want you to know in advance that the evil one is already starting to intimidate you about this. You know why I know? Because every time I think, I need to go talk to that person, I hear the same things that you're hearing. As a matter of fact, I wrote them down. I wrote six of them down. These are all straight from hell. Ready? Here's what's, here, if you heard this, I want to tell you right now, if you heard this, it's not from God. It's from the enemy. Number one, it's not a big deal. Just wait a few weeks and the hurt will go away. That is an expression of stuffing, ignoring, denying. It will always come back. That's a lie. Here, number two. They're not going to listen anyway. You're just wasting your breath. You know what? That may be true, but you and I are not the ones that get to decide that. When we're being obedient to what God says to do, we trust him with the results. That person responds well. They respond poorly. has nothing to do with us. We are seeking to walk in love. Number three, you already forgave them. That's enough. Not according to Matthew chapter 18. Sometimes we have to go that next step and pursue reconciliation. So it's not just enough to forgive. Number four, if you bring up their sin, it will only make the situation worse probably true but it's the right way you have to go through it you will never avoid your way into close fellowship with another person you always have to go through it so just kind of cinch up your belt and drink a Red Bull whatever you need to do and then go have the conversation I never even drank Red Bull number five this one I have heard before in my own head you have other friends just let that relationship fade away Lots of people, lots of churches. Just go find some new people. I mean, whatever. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is an opportunity for a miracle to take place in your life. Number six, you can always just find another church. Don't make the effort. You can. But like I just said, though, there'll be a new opportunity to learn this lesson there. Would you stand with me, please? Please. contending for reconciliation among the family of God is one of the most spiritually powerful activities in which we can participate, whether we are going with our sin or we are being bold and going with someone else's. I wanna pray right now and I wanna ask the Holy Spirit where you need to have a conversation, that that would be clear to you. If you really don't feel anything, that's fine, but for most of us, there's probably a conversation or two that we need to have. I'm gonna pray for boldness for us. I'm gonna pray that the Lord kind of lines things up that we can have that that conversation, that we can do step one and that there is a gloriously wonderful, fruitful result from that willingness to go. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Your word that is at times just confoundingly difficult and, and goes against our flesh, goes against what our natural inclinations are. And we say thank you for that, Lord because you've not called us to be natural. You've called us to be people that are supernatural, that do things that don't make sense to culture, but make sense to you. And so this morning, my prayer for us is that you would show us where we need to have conversation. It may just be a little thing, Lord. I I pray that there are many just little things, like Kelly said earlier, a thousand little things that we're doing right, we're submitting to you, that we're surrendering to you. We want you to be Lord of the little things as well. But if it's large, Lord, thank you for your grace that is greater than even that kind of a situation, even greater than that sin. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who are filled with boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit and that we're willing to seek to gain a brother or sister. Not to tell a brother or sister where they're wrong, but rather to come humbly, come graciously, but speaking the truth so that there might be a reconciliation, there might be unity within your body. And Lord, as we do this, would you make us such a healthy place, such a such a God-honoring and people-loving place that those who don't understand this whole thing that we do here, this person that we love named Jesus, would come in and say, I want what you have because of the way that you guys love each other. I pray that that would be the testimony of the days ahead for Grace Church. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you extend your hands in front of you? I wanna speak a blessing over you before you go. Grace family, friends, visitors, neighbors, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you'd like more information about giving your life to Jesus, email us at info at grace417.com. That's I-N-F-O at grace417.com. We pray you have a blessed day.